think we're going to have to start the show with an explanation of the lengthy absence of the Justin Shapiro show and where that's been. <laughs> okay. Hello everyone, Joe Gagne here, welcoming you to edition 88 of Joe vs. the World. They say you can't be missed if you don't go away, so I'm guessing you really miss us right now. Joined as usual by former wrestling fan Justin Shapiro. Justin, how you doing? Who is this? <laughs> it's me, I know it's been a while. You gotta remember, we had some good times. What's your name? <laughs> it's Joe. Joe what? Gagne. <laughs> Joe Pantoliano? <laughs> Joe Gagney? Yeah. I haven't heard that name in nigh on years. <laughs> About a year and a half. How, how the hell are you, man? I'm doing just fine. How are you? What's going on, bitch? I call people <laughs> bitch now. <laughs> wow, a lot's changed since the last time uh-huh. we, uh, we did this. Yeah, which which um, time year days are we doing? Uh, this would be the third quarter, uh, give or take, of I, WWF 1997. That's what I thought. Okay, so if your podcast feed, because we picked it up in 98 last year, and then rattled off like six, seven, eight of them from 98 to 99, <laughs> so if your podcast feed didn't download those, you probably want to <laughs> check the uh, the feed and maybe uh, resubscribe, and they should all show up at yes, once. If, you... if they don't, I would say throw your phone in the garbage and get a new phone. <laughs> Yes, you may have to reinstall uh, Downcast to, uh, mm-hmm. to get those hidden shows. That become like, we did a bunch of great stuff on jazz and um, <laughs> the cat. <laughs> so, I love it. We were riffing and joking, and you were reciting facts and important pertinent information. They were very good shows. Yes. Long, too. Very long. Yes. And probably the best audio quality we've had. <laughs> Yes, make sure but it's good that we're doubling back for the one. The one we, we weirdly we skipped. I don't remember why we avoided it. I can't remember either. I don't know. I think we lost the recording and then had to go back. And we were like, "Well, let's just move on, let's make it fresh." Yes, we're here. That's good. Yes, I finally, I, I had started this back, I believe, in the summer. Got through the first month and then just kind of gave up again to do. I launched another podcast, which was um, cool, but. Not good for this this project or my other ones. And, I don't know, over Thanksgiving break, I'm like, ah, I'm going to throw on a Raw from 1997. And I watched it. I'm like, hey, I like that. So, I don't know, I just got momentum. Mm-hmm. I just kept I kept going. Like, And I, I skipped stuff where I saw the Shamrock versus uh, the Sultan and figured I could move the move the time bar ahead a, a little bit here and avoid <laughs> that. And Oh, you can actually move your time bar? <laughs> Watch off my phone. It's, oh. it's dicey on my, uh, on my uh, fire stick. Mm-mm. You got to be careful there. My Roku player just goes like bloop bloop bloop. <laughs> figure out where you want to be. Yeah, it's uh, it's dicey. So, like I said, I got through. Uh, I got through everything. With these raws being two hours, pay per views going to three. Got kind of psyched out, but uh, I think you know I got through. I'm back. This probably mm-hmm. won't. This probably won't be perfect. Uh, it's like war games where maybe it's not what you ah. hope. It's not what you hope for, but it's been so long. You should be happy you got something. 
Yeah. Sound about and right. And then once we get to the pod beyond, that's when it's <laughs> really good. <laughs> also, it was, I was also kind of psyched out by um, the Brian the and world. Vinny show. No, well, <laughs> uh, the Brian and Vinny show somewhat doing the, the weekly the Raws and, and Nitros. And I know we probably approach from a different view, but still there are <laughs> things you, you have to point out and be like, hey, that's weird, or this happened. And I was somewhat afraid of redundancy, so I, um, I think we've given it enough space. And at this point, uh, I, I, I don't listen to the raw reviews. Anything repetitive is just coincidental. That seems, yeah, I think that that's fair. Mm-hmm. We've covered out our niche. Plus, they they talk about movies too, movies <laughs> or wrestlers. Like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> Indeed. All right, you ready to dive yeah. in? Dave's kind of weird now. <clears throat> um, yeah, let's do it. All right, let's. Uh, we left off long ago after the King of the Ring. Like he was always quirky, but now he's just like. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> anyway, follow him on Twitter. It's good stuff. Uh, Arguing with the same uh, people every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quote reply. Me neither. <laughs> All right, we left off at King uh, of the yeah. Ring, and the night afterwards, neither Shawn Michaels nor Bret Hart were on Raw, which was odd. Turns out they had a backstage fight before at uh, 7.20 p.m. Uh, they had long conversations with Vince, and Brett went into Sean's dressing room, complained about the Sunny Days comment and the effect it had on his personal life. Sean was a smart ass, go figure, and a short tussle broke out, with uh, Brett pounding on Sean and ripping out a chunk of his hair before it was broken up. Brett left at 8.30, didn't appear at all, so all kinds of things got changed, and Sean left before the show started, saying he was quitting and would appear on Nitro in Boston if he could. A few weeks before, Sean and his dad had a meeting with Vince, where Sean went out of his contract and, amazingly, was not granted a release. So, uh, this is also the same night a backstage fight happened in WCW, as Kevin Nash and Roddy Piper went at it after a main event went awry. It's probably tempting to think, like, oh, the Monday Night War is so crazy, but a lot of fights still happen today. A lot of them involving Sin Cara, or uh, Simon Gotch, <laughs> R.I.P. And, sure. uh, but these were these were fights among main eventers about who would be the top guy in the company? And it's hard to picture Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman getting into it over who's going to headline WrestleMania. That is true, yes. Now, Jericho did beat the shit out of Brock. Did that happen? <laughs> did that happen? I think so. And, did Jericho uh, tell you that? That's what I heard, yeah. <laughs> this is double blind source. But, um, yeah, we- weird stuff, like the two top guys. And, and an old... Uh, hip replaced Roddy Piper being like well I'll fight you because I'm a tough guy and Kevin Ash is like well I am very tall and younger than you Piper's like but Moxie um what else what else is a thing about this to say well they get sent to HR these days I don't think it was quite a structure they'd have to attend a seminar probably Mm -hmm. it's very much against our corporate ethos imagine the tweets putting out that fire and denying it and like Sports Illustrated articles <laughs> being like, actually, I talked to everyone and they said, this is wrong. It's not a thing that happened. Uh, they uh, ended up mentioning the fight on TV, saying that Brett would be out for a few days and Sean about four to six weeks. So they stripped uh, Austin and Sean of the tag titles they had and set up a tournament where the winners would uh, not be the new champs, but they would face Steve Austin and a partner of his choosing, which was an odd way to go about it, but it gets fair to Steve. Uh, this was such an afterthought that they didn't even wrap it up with a pay-per-view. Also, uh, Sean didn't lose a title in the ring, so take a drink, everyone, because that's, uh, I forget where we are in that. Did he, did he ever lose a tag title in the ring? Ooh, 
Let's at see. least in like Sean 1.0. Uh, let's see. Well, the original one with the Rockers was uh, deemed to not have happened. Uh, mm-hmm. The one with Diesel, he threw in the trash can after Survivor yeah. Series. We had this one. I guess they were stripped of the ones they won at the um, that in your house. The uh, what they call that? The, not the triple threat. The uh, oh, titles are on the line. Whatever that was. Yeah, the the super gold match. Yeah, <laughs> sure. And like, you pinned too many people. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then even when Sean and John won the belts in '07, they lost them in a battle royal. <laughs> wow. So he's a tag team specialist for sure. <laughs> and you're right; it existed solely to mess up people who care about, like, belt lineages and want to keep it pure and not have to write bacon and put the tournament brackets in. Which they've nuked to death with, like, the way they changed, like, the SmackDown tag titles to the world tag team titles. and like, none of that makes sense. Twice through two brand extensions. Imagine trying to follow that and set up an actual uh, easy-to-flow title history. So, sorry. They could have just said, hey, Austin, pick a partner, and he'd be like... No, I hate everyone. And then Mick Foley would have been like, make me the replacement partner. And he would have been like, no. And have been like, what about, well, you'll get to it. But, and then they could have just not had a tournament. But okay. Okay. The only other thing I know about um, uh, the Sean-Brett fight that is a thing to say on a podcast would be, um, so in subsequent years, Sean sometimes, I think before he came back when he would do nascent shoot interview type things and talk about the fight, the dreaded fight with Brett. Uh, a few questions before they would get to him like denying having any knowledge of Montreal and just be like, I don't, I don't know what happened there. Right before <laughs> they did the expose where he's like, actually I did do all that, sorry. Sorry. Um, he would be like, he ripped out my hair and if you look at my hair right now, like it hasn't even grown back yet. And it's like, oh, Sean, honey, I have terrible news. <laughs> Like, yeah, because, I mean, there's one... Ch- and then, it, like, oh, oh, wow, that's very frustrating for me. It's like, Bret Hart took all my hair. Wow. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, we got uh, part four of the Mankind sit-down interview with Jim Ross. And this one's pretty famous, as we get him complaining... Vince didn't hire him when he was Cactus Jack and saying Ross perpetuated the myth of him liking pain. Still getting uh, so worked up, he snaps, put the mandible claw on Ross, then... Uh, coming back to reality and asking for help. And this was the skit that apparently got Vince McMahon behind Mankind. And as uh, John uh, Petrie, Petrie, I forget, described it as funny yet realistic and a bit scary, which uh, seems fair. It was real good stuff. Yeah. I don't want to make a joke about it. No, so, JR uh, takes a beating this, <laughs> this show. Oh, this episode? Yeah, this or episode. This, okay. Wait, what else going to happen? Oh, he's going to get kicked and get whammed? There's a kick and a wham, and you can fill in the rest. Mm-hmm. How many interviews, like candid sit-downs, did JR have where he got beat up at the end, too? Because <laughs> well, Kane also set him, set him aflame. <laughs> that was a diametrically opposed level of quality in terms of that, where Kane, instead of Mick Foley, like, blending reality into this incredible, like, passionate method acting, Kane was like, let me tell you about why I thought I had scars on my face. The answer is shut up. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, those are past 2000, right? So I'm safe. We have to rewatch that. We did that. that episode, yeah. Just plug in the one we talked about that. Okay. <laughs> All right. 
I don't know. I thought, thought it was kind of outlandish that uh, in 2003, Shane McMahon was beating up Kane, <laughs> being so strong. I think it's, uh, you like, could put blank for the year and blank for anyone, <laughs> and I, that would be a true statement. Yeah. Too much Stephanie that year, too. Mm. All right, moving on. The uh, Nation of Domination angle continued. The day after King of the Ring, they had a WrestleMania rematch with LOD and Ahmed versus Farouk, Crush, and Savio, which saw Farouk get decisively pinned. Savio and Crush walk out afterwards. Later that same night, Farouk went down to the ring and fired Savio and Crush, saying they'd been a drag. Acting like he was going to fire D'Lo, instead fired Clarence Mason, and then challenged I'm at an Undertaker to a tag match the next week, later promising two new members to the nation. So he comes out to tag with a returning Kama Mustafa, so there's one new member. The announcers speculated about the other one, saying it could be Butch Reed, Abdul the Butcher, or Junkyard Dog. Sadly, none of the above. Undertaker gets beat on the whole match. Ahmed gets distracted by Paul Bear, allowing Kama to score the victory. Afterwards, Ahmed picks the Undertaker up, hits the Pearl River Plunge, and he's the second new member of the nation. Next week, he gave an interview saying he did what he did to earn a shot at the world title. He accuses Vince of holding him down because he's black. What do you think of this rationale, considering he was in a blood feud with this group forever? And that's like, eh. You know what? Kind of like, I read the pamphlet, I like what you're saying. There's uh, no no real delicate way to say this other than they took the nation of domination and made them actually be comprised of all black people. Yeah. Joe, that's what they did. <laughs> it's true. That's like, I can't dispute that. Um, I kind of liked the idea, not of race or segregation, but of <laughs> Ahmed being in that group, but he... he well, I'm spoiling your future fact, but there's, like, no real um, time for Ahmed to be in it. <laughs> no, in this episode... It's almost like they planned it that way, right? <laughs> yes, we'll get like, to that later, amazingly. Uh-huh. You stupid idiot. <laughs> we hate you for real. <laughs> anyway... Go see if the Legion of Doom still wants to hang out with you <laughs> after this. Um, and we, it was years ago now, but we, you probably talked about on previous episodes how Kama was or, or originally going to be brought back again as Papa Shango and have something to do with the resurrection of the Undertaker's dead parents. Uh, it sounds about right. Yeah, we didn't cover that's it. True fact. I guess we just did. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, I with some new backup, Ryan Lee and the former Blue Twins, a biker gang known as the Disciples of the Apocalypse. They have a big brawl, and you may not believe this, Ahmed got hurt. He was going to challenge Undertaker, a Canadian stampede, but that shot ended up going to Vader. The next week, Farouk and company complain, rightly, it didn't go to Kama, who pinned the Undertaker, and they have an excellent point. Anyway, he's in interrupted yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway, by Savio Vega, who now has his own gang, the Bariquas. So we are in full gang war territory here. Do you think it was a good idea, wrong people? <laughs> This is, uh, is tight. Uh, um, Manos Periquas, hands up high, or something like that. No, I don't think it was a good idea, Joe. I don't. <laughs> um, I think the, the, uh, 300% more black Af- uh, nation of domination could have been kind of good. Um, and they were, really, in their non-gang wars contributions to the next year or so. Once, yes, um, once we get past this hurdle. Stuff. Yes. They had cool-ass music, and they had more cool-ass music, and they sort of launched the career of one of the most important people that there is, period. <laughs> in the world. This part, though, yeah. The, the fact that, like, 
Crush and Savio Vega to keep their uh, character arcs going and react to this instead of just being like turned into uh, what happens to Farouk when he leaves. Like, Farouk didn't start his own nation. Farouk and Scorpio lost like two tag matches and they're <laughs> fucked off forever. That's, I think what I would have personally done with Savio Vega and Crush, personally. Mm. Alright, we had uh, touched a bit on The Undertaker, who was still under Paul Bearer's employ, due to Bearer knowing some terrible secret about The Undertaker's past. The relationship was rocky, to say the least, with Bearer calling The Undertaker rigor mortis. It was kind of the pot calling the kettle black. Yeah. Anyway, while he was teaming with Vader, Bearer kept yelling at The Undertaker, who had enough punches out Vader, causing him to lose. And uh, Bearer said The Undertaker sealed his fate. He would reveal the secret next week. I'm just going to use this summary from a John Petrie recap. <laughs> Twenty years ago, Bear was an apprentice at a funeral home owned and operated by the Undertaker's parents. The Undertaker had a younger brother named Kane, who emulated everything the Undertaker did. Bear says the Undertaker was a wild, unruly child. He and his brother used to sneak out behind the mortuary for smokes. One day, the Undertaker burned down the mortuary, killing his family. He calls him a murderer, a goddamn murderer, which gets blanked out even on the closed captioning. So, uh, yes. That's surprising news. <laughs> this was quite... We would uh, find out in the coming weeks and months that Kane was alive. And um, yeah, Even though I know this like worked out like very well for the next 20 years, like this was still terrible in hindsight. Yeah, <laughs> it surely was. You would think, like, this is terrible, this won't do at all. But I, I don't know, I didn't imagine this would go two decades. To say the least, no. I, plus, also, I think from here until the night of the blood, it's just nonsense. But then Kane had really cool music and a surprisingly cool look, and it, it sort of worked. Then they added more subplots to it. Like, the, the Paul story you just recounted, I'm going to clear my throat, <clears throat> not for dramatic purposes, but because I had to. So, like, within a year from now, I think... Added to his story is the retroactive continuity that, for one, Paul Bearer had intercursive relations with The Undertaker's mother and fathered Kane. And also, then, when Undertaker had to turn heel for like a month, he was like, oh, I set that fire on purpose, and I'm a legit murderer. <laughs> so, that's permanent thing that's true about me. Uh, yeah. Now, what about that Kane biography that came out? Is that considered canon? Where Didn't he, like, fight Snitsky in, like, his basement or something? Um, it probably is canon. I don't know. Where is I'd it have big? to consult the uh, Dr. Shelby thing <laughs> to find out what is on the permanent uh, keepsake mm. information and what was just kind of lost through the years. But it was, it was the um, See No Evil screenplay and not the Kane autobiography where Vince McMahon wanted Kane to have just like a giant penis, right? <laughs> yes, I do believe that was right. Yeah. It was like, just one note, if I may. <laughs> I was thinking. Uh, oh, goodness. Uh, yeah, Kane. Interesting person. Gonna headline the Royal Rumble. <laughs> I know. It's, Jesus Christ. Alrighty. It's good that that's happening. <laughs> that's what the, one of the things that has me less interested in paying attention to wrestling um, conversations on the internet now is regardless of what happens, there will be a subsect 
of people who are just like, it's actually good that that's happening, and it's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. No wonder you're not on Twitter all that much anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or at least you don't post. No. Well, you know what, Joe? It's good that that's happening, and it's actually not bad. <laughs> I think it's good that that's happening. <laughs> let me Let me say that repeatedly. People who don't think it's good that that's happening are misguided and wrong. It's actually good that that's happening. All right, all right. That just seems like 95% of all conversations. Yeah. It's people who's like, it, no, it's good that that's happening. Okay. Uh, moving on. Uh, lots of doings with ECW. Right around this time, there was the uh, famous angle where Jerry Lawler showed up at the ECW arena. We started getting appearances from Rob Van Dam. Russell Flash Funk, uh, Paulie and Tommy Dreamer jumped the barrier for a brawl. Paulie was back the next week for commentary on a Chris Candido Brian Christopher match, uh, saying Christopher was indeed Lala's kid. Shock and awe led to another Wait, fight. Brian Christopher, or Christopher Candido. It's <laughs> Brian Christopher was. Indeed. Oh, okay. Uh, the Sandman showed up, interfering in a um, RVD Lala versus Headbangers match, and uh, finally Sabu and Flash Funk, who always got pulled into this, uh, ended up with a table didn't break, and Sabu had a bit of a tantrum. So just kind of, <laughs> kind of like ECW guys just hanging around. Just, uh, you know, being around. <laughs> 205 Live. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, ECW drew better when, uh, than I imagine 205 Live will. I'm, my inkling is you're correct, Joe. I'm, I'm going to be at one of those 205 Live shows, I do believe. Seems like a reason to do a... Nah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nah. Oh yeah, I was gonna I was gonna offer to go to Clash of Champions, but uh, no. I would never ask you to do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just want to check. Did you say Clash of the Champions or Clash of Champions? I say, I say Clash of Champions because that is that okay. is the name. Yeah, that's right. It okay. is. To be fair, I'm just gonna check Seat Geek real quick here. Not a sponsor mm. of the show. Although, if you want to have your ads read once every two years, Seat Geek, you can uh, you can uh, you can let me know here. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna well, I was. Oh, go ahead. Had actually entered into like a multi-year the contract expired in uh, like mid 2016, <laughs> and like the website com poured so much money into podcast advertising, and you look at them now, and like they have to do so many make goods, and they're laying off all these people, and I feel guilty because I haven't been doing those ads. So, oh, man, is that my fault? I, I don't. I think you're okay. All right. It's da 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 dot com. <laughs> if that that should count as one. I think that's native count. advertising, right? <laughs> and uh, oh, we started getting some uh, intense light heavyweight action. Names like Tommy Rogers against Bobby uh, Fulton. Yes, here's two hundred five live. <laughs> Christopher versus Scott Taylor, and Scott Putzke in general. Two versus much? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this stuff was so lame compared to who WCW rolled out and. I mean, the WWF audience reacts to stars, where WCW crowds would respond to good work, even if they weren't overly familiar with it. So, it was just not a good, not a good start. It just made them seem really lame. And um, I, I kind of wonder if they did all this, so we'd be more blown away by Great Sasuke and uh, Takamichinoku, who were having a match sight unseen at the pay-per-view, but we just got clips, but now the guy appeared. So, I don't know. Mm-mm. No. No, no. It was just—it was just a weird case of like, oh, we gotta do, we gotta do this, even though we're yeah. not good at it. Who's a light heavyweight grappling star? Scott Putzke. <laughs> uh, 
Well, let's see. Uh, after a semifinal match in the tag tournament, so the Headbangers lose to Owen and Davey, Jim Cornette returned after a six months of absence and brought out the Headhunters, also known as the Squat Team in their other appearance, although unnamed here. And the Headbangers, who just wrestled a match, beat them up for a while. But the, the Headhunters did gain the upper hand, laid them out with moonsaults. But, uh, yeah. Apparently they were going to be called the Arabian, the Arabian Headhunters, but they were just never seen again. Well, they were originally originally going to be called the Samoan Squad Team, and then they were like, well, they're not Samoan, so you can't <laughs> They did do moonsaults, though. They did do moonsaults. That still counts for something. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone who would be seen literally, literally a thousand more times was Michael Cole, who showed up around this time. <laughs> he, like Kane, has had a 20-year run and is probably the voice of the WWE to a generation of fans, which is... Odd. <laughs> oh, my. I mean, to some people, he's their guy, right? Like, he's who they... You have to be. Oh, wow. That just is to them. I mean, I don't even... I don't even mind. I mean, you know, whatever. He's not... He's not terrible, but he's not, you know... I don't know. It's just weird someone's going to... part of like, neither the problem nor the solution. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. It's just weird. He's going to get replaced someday, and someone online is going to be like, Oh, what the, what the fuck? That's Michael Cole. How can you replace him? <laughs> Maybe they won't. I don't know. Yeah, I think they've just like downgraded the concept of people talking during a wrestling match to the point where it won't matter <laughs> that much. Except for like Corey Graves stands. Mm. There's not too many people paying attention to what their people are saying. No, I Other do like. Saying, I do like this should be the NXT announcement. What are your thoughts on Moro Ronaldo? If you have any, they're not super. Complimentary. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, thank you. Okay, he's uh, to me. He's someone who I find is flawed, but I find the flaws endearing in their own way. Where I just kind of mm-hmm. shake my head and laugh when he makes a super lame comment or just screams or something. Oh, yeah, I think you put it a good way that I would springboard off of, which is that I do not find his flaws endearing, but I still think he's better than the like net zero people. I think <laughs> he adds more than people who bring. Nothing to the broadcast. <laughs> That's good. ringing endorsement here. Well, but yeah, by the standards of like all the people you have to choose from, it is. Mm, so I guess so. But um, my friend uh, Michael Lavieri, I think it's pronounced his last name, and, and Scott Chris at Tape Machines had a good conversation just this week, where they brainstormed a good idea. I think it was Mike's. He said he, that one thing that he would really like to happen. And, uh, is uh, just at some point for Mauro Ronaldo to uh, bridge off of his famous catchphrase and say, <laughs> oh, I wish I hadn't started this because I don't want to say it. He wants him to say, <laughs> and uh, he wants him to say, this <laughs> 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 so stupid. <laughs> he wants him to say, Mama Mia. He wants him to say, Mamma Mia, Papa Pia, baby's got the diarrhea. <laughs> I do not know if that was worth the time to get there. No, it's a good idea. <laughs> it would be good if he said that. He wants, huh. him to say, <laughs> he wants him to say that thing I just said before. <laughs> All right, moving on to uh, <laughs> more quality. The Truth Commission debuted on Shotgun Saturday Night. Now, this incarnation was the interrogator, a.k.a. Kurgan, Recon, a.k.a. Bulls Cannon, 
and Tank, the former Mantar, wearing a mask, which I don't think he can do in the army. <laughs> uh, we hear from the Commandant that Americans have too many rights, so I guess they're going to wrestle about it. Uh, the Commandant was an actor Brett met in South Africa, if you're wondering where he came from. He was gone in a few months, and uh, Tank only lasted a few matches, and he got replaced by Sniper. Hmm. South Africa. Have you heard my South African accent, Joe? <laughs> I think I just did. It's very good. It's almost like the New Zealand accent, but the vowels are moved over a little bit. And if you remember District 9, you think about those guys. So I'm super talented at impressions. That was kind of Canadian-Australian kind of blended together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I keep slipping into the rock man from Thor by the director of Thor. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, all right, let's move to a Canadian Stampede, a, a famous show in terms of quality, especially for a time where you did not have good wrestling up and down the card. And, and what's funny is, retrospect, no one was expecting it. I mean, this was... <laughs> yeah. SummerSlam, it was right after the 4th of July, some matches got shifted around, and it was just like, oh, show, but afterwards, it's like, you must see this classic show. And uh, I believe it lost to Barely Legal in the Observer Poll for Best Major Show. And this was clearly the superior in-ring show, but both shows were kind of had this, uh, this theme of catharsis. For ECW, it was about finally getting on pay-per-view. For this, it was about Calgary fans seeing their hometown heroes as the, the biggest stars in the industry, and kind of, the, kind of the last hurrah for Brett in the uh, in the WWF with uh, things bad times are coming for him. But uh, yeah, <laughs> we will say we kicked off with Triple H and Mankind a very good brawl. Uh, working with uh, Mankind did wonders for Helmsley in terms of getting taken more seriously, and they would have much better matches later. This was still very good, uh, somewhat marred by a double countout ending, but they brawled throughout the show and Helmsley did end up in a penalty box and. Uh, at some point, JR asks Vince if Helmsley tried to buy the WWF, and all I can think is, nope, didn't have to. <laughs> Not an issue. Uh, yeah, he didn't sell out, he bought in. <laughs> they, um, of their first run of matches, maybe the second best one? Would their best one be the TV match you might talk about at the end of the show, or the next show? Uh, I believe that would be the next show. Yes, the MSG okay. one. I believe that's the one, but still, they had, they had a real good series. Mm-hmm. Looking back, and they get even better uh, about two years, two years time. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we had the great Sasuke versus Takamichinoko, according to the announcer. <laughs> uh, this was an excellent match. They worked uh, slowly, and the crowd did get into it. Uh, this was a tougher sell than it would be to a WCW crowd, but uh, Calgary was probably one of the better ones they could be in front of. And Sasuke was clearly positioned as a star, which was interesting given what happened, and he won with a tiger suplex. Yes, from beginning his fabled run. <laughs> yes. Uh, then we had Undertaker Vader. Again, very good. Just two big dudes tossing each other around. And uh, interestingly, Vader's infamous appearance on the Iraq talk show was now part of his Titantron, as well as flashing the word <laughs> bully. So, <laughs> I don't know if I would... Uh, I, I guess Titan Titantrons, if you're a very new listener, are little videos they used to play on the big screen, and not just... Um, I guess now they just have, uh, I don't know, just like the, the floor does stuff now when you come out. Mm-hmm. As your riff plays. And, People uh, still make um, David Flair parody Titan Trons? Is that still a genre that works? <laughs> I don't 
I don't know if they still do that, but that was that was a thing for a while. Mm-hmm. Bygone era. It is. It sadly is. And on to the main event. It was uh, Brett Owen, Bulldog, Pillman, and Jim Neidhart against Steve Austin, Goldust, Ken Shamrock, and the Legion of Doom. This was a really great match. Some people think it's a classic. Our mutual friend, Alan Forel, put it in the top ten for his best matches of the 90s. I had it in the uh, 10 to probably 15 slot, I would say. As far as atmosphere goes, there are a few matches like it. Uh, the work's really good. gets really wild at times. Good story with Owen and Austin getting taken out of the match. Austin comes back. Owen pulls the Paul Pierce, comes back to a trope that would be horribly overplayed, where uh, if someone gets taken to the back, you know they're probably winning the match in dramatic fashion. And uh, let's see. Austin goes after Stu. She looked legit and a little scary. Hearts get involved. Owen rolls him up for the win. Um, even more crazy brawling. The hearts all celebrate. Uh, great match. This card's just super easy to watch. At 108 minutes, I mean, it's the final two hour in your house, but it's even a lot quicker than that. If you've never seen it, like, go check it out. Like, no excuses. Go, go. <laughs> Hit pause. Go. They put on just a classic show. It's just it, they did so accidentally. It took yeah. so many alterations for this to happen, to have this show where everything is, I think, according to Meltzer ratings, three stars or higher. Maybe he just gave the Mankind match three stars off the top of my head. Taking yeah, it was like three all and like, half. yeah, it was like three and a half. Yeah. That may have been like three and a quarter was the worst, mm-hmm. but still some, some high marks. I might go a little... I mean, to, you could look at this, be a little higher on some of those matches. Truly, but... The corresponding PWG shows at the time, David seen some matches better that weekend. <laughs> I don't know about so. the indie wrestling scene in Southern California in 1997, mm-hmm. probably not. Champagne or whatever the hell. Champagne? I don't think he was a California guy. <laughs> um, the Mid-Atlantic. To, to get their classic work rate show, pre-2000, they had to have a two-hour broadcast. Only do four matches on that. Um... Make one a light heavyweight match with ringers, which is not something they'd ever done. <laughs> no. And um, dedicate most of the match to a 10-man tag team match in the team's rabid home uh, territory. And also it's going to be Undertaker versus Ahmed Johnson, which I don't think would have been a three-and-a-half-star match. <laughs> could Perhaps be wrong. Not, no. I could be wrong, but I don't think. And weren't Sid and or the Patriot originally... Part of the we are actually going to get to them in a little okay. bit. We'll okay. get there. Don't you worry. I was just—I don't even know. I'm just half remembering. Okay. All right. All the pay-per-view—I want to say July, but all the pay-per-views are really early in the month. So I guess we're still in June. But after Canadian Stampede, uh, the next night they rematched the Sasuke Taka match. Uh, Sasuke went again, and that was the last we saw of him. I guess he felt he couldn't leave his home promotion in Japan, and. He said he wanted to uh, trade up an appearance for himself for The Undertaker appearing on a Michinoku Pro show, which did not fly. So uh, the company got behind Taka as the babyface anchor, even though he's so much better as a heel, and has been a heel for like the last 15 years. And, uh, I mean, they brought in some interesting people. Tajiri, Jerry Lynn, A. Starling, and Devin Storm got 44 seconds on Raw. But they still had Brian Christopher around, and I, I, I like him, he's talented, but for what they were going for, it just didn't work. Now, I would never do this to the other Brian and make this comparison, because I like the latter-day Brian a lot, but it is very, very analogous to what happened with 
Kota Ibushi, TJ Perkins, and Brian Kendrick, right? They were like, oh, well, then never mind. Go away. We're just going to do this with him. And who to put him in with? What about a veteran named Brian? Be a real sneaky guy. Hmm. It is interesting, yeah. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Joe, I'm super interested. <laughs> I would never deny that. Hmm? I would never deny that. So, it's good, though. Don't worry. If, you, if you're just patient or go back and download the old episodes we did from the future, and they're going to bring in, like, three super talented guys from Taka's promotion for him to work with and tear it up. Oh, man, it goes so good. All right, uh, let's see. The day after the show, we had a bunch of matches and stipulations announced for SummerSlam. Uh, the SummerSlam, I should say. and That was not a one-time thing from Brett. <laughs> he said that quite a Quite a lot. Uh, Brett was going to get a shot at the Undertaker's title, with Brett going so far as to say if he didn't win, he would never wrestle in the U.S. ever again. Now, that seems obvious about who would win, but there was a strain of thought at the time the WWE could do this, at least for a while, because they were in Canada so frequently, which would have been, I think, kind of interesting to just have a guy show up at certain when they're in the certain parts of uh, the continent. That's doable, yeah. It's the same thing where... When Punk won the belt at Monkey in the Bank 11, you know, like, well, they'll definitely have him defend it on some low-level show. That's the bare minimum cool thing that will happen out of this, right? Uh, oh, well. Anyway. Uh, Brett was just out of this world as a promo at the time, talking about how Pittsburgh is a place you'd stick the hose for an enema. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Ragging on, That's the U- not true. <laughs> ragging on the U.S. for a poor health care and gun violence. Boy, I bet he's well, silly now going back. <laughs> he's like, man, that's a dated promo right there. Bret Hart, welcome to hashtag the resistance. <laughs> Joe, that's not true about Pittsburgh, though, is it? I'm from Pittsburgh. I've never, I, I just, I pointed that out because I, I knew it would, uh. It would rile you, and hopefully the Steelers this upcoming Sunday. I live here. About five Pittsburgh days is... before Pittsburgh blew out New England, as they always <laughs> do. I can't believe it. I can't believe Brady had no yards. <laughs> that was crazy. Oh, man. That may happen after this last game. Anyway, moving ahead. Uh, Shawn Michaels was still around, although not cleared to wrestle. He cut a promo saying he wanted to be part of SummerSlam, and lo and behold, he was inserted as a special guest referee with a stipulation that if he was biased, he would be banned from the U.S. As you can imagine, this didn't go over too well with Brett, and involved him uh, brawling with Vince at the commentary table in a shocking scene. Uh, Sean also cost Brett a, a match against the Patriot, more about him in a second, also in Pittsburgh. And uh, Undertaker wasn't around much at the time, just uh, outside of the semi-famous flag match there was, but he didn't really cut any promos or anything. He was just kind of there. Were you at that Pittsburgh show? Yeah, I'm sure he did. Were you at the uh, Pittsburgh show, that run? I was not, no. Oh, that's too bad. I was only 15 years old, and so Uh, I couldn't drive. Nobody was going. (laughs) And now you can drive. You know, the business was hot. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, now I can drive, and uh, people are threatening to (laughs) give me free tickets to the house show (laughs) in late December. I'm like, no, 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 no. Thank you. No, no. Uh, I didn't go to Roadblock into the line. Oh. But I went to SmackDown in March. Oh, how was that? I don't remember. Okay. Let's see. Uh, we were getting closer to Vince being the, the head of the company. It was like everyone was like, 
Like saying, I can't believe how things are running around here. Look at Vince, like with evil <laughs> eyes, and Vince is like, gulp. <laughs> Vince, the master of the big gulp. Uh, let's see, back to the SummerSlam card. Owen was going to defend his title against Austin at the show, with Austin saying if he lost, he would kiss Owen's butt. Uh, Bulldog was scheduled to defend the European title against Ken Shamrock, with the stipulation that Bulldog would eat a can of dog food if he lost. Pillman was going to face Goldust, he would wear a dress the next night on uh, Raw if he lost, and Jim Neidhart would shave his goatee if any member of the Hart Foundation lost. Remember that. Let's see, we Consequences got... are... Pretty draconian. Got to, uh, yeah, you got to, uh, you got to uphold those stipulations. Didn't Owen also part of the stipulation was that if he lost, he would paralyze Steve Austin? <laughs> that part of it? That did not come up. No. Did Steve Austin was not walk anymore. <laughs> that wasn't mentioned. No. Hmm. Uh, let's see. We got the end of the tag tournament the night after the pay per view was Owen and Davey beat Farouk and D'Lo by countout, so they advanced to a match with Steve Austin and a partner of his choosing. Austin had made it clear he didn't want or need a partner. Mankind had been lobbying for the spot, the memorable pick-me-Steve segments. During an Austin-Triple H match on Raw, Helmsley was going to use a chair. Mankind made the save and got clonked in the head himself, allowing Austin to win. Austin seemed to make nice after the match, only to give Mankind a stunner for being a pizza trash. Mankind (laughs) got on the mic, said he'd have a big surprise next week, and things would never be the same. More on that in a second. Have mercy. (laughs) That was a fine time for Steve Austin to be rude and give his friend the stunner, but when then when they did it again in 1999 when Mankind was the sweetest person in the world, that wasn't cool. No. I think that was the one time people were like, okay, good, I like the stunner, I like you. Did you have to do that, though? <laughs> uh, let's see, during a, a segment... Uh, the Hart Foundation in the ring. Austin was joined on the stage by the Patriot, Ken Shamrock, John Michaels, and Sid. Oh, the God, this is what I was thinking of. Yeah, you go. So the announcers speculate one of them will be Don't Austin's tell them, but wrong. partner. <laughs> and throughout the show, most of them deny it. Jumping ahead is Owen Bulldog against Austin two-on-one. And Austin actually has the advantage when some BG style music hits and out <laughs> comes Dude Love. The Deuster inserts himself into the match. Austin hits a stunner. Dude Love gets the pin for the titles and some begrudging respect from Austin. Besides being uh, creative and entertaining, this was like, this was really Mick Foley's kind of coming out party for what he would do. More so than the sit down, because it really expanded. Like, he, okay, he could, be, he could be funny, and kind of the guy with two characters at once was kind of, you know, interesting and really kind of set the template for the rest of his run. It was a really, really cool deal, and unique and thoughtful, and why wrestling is good. I really like Dude's theme song, too. So we have the music volume uh, three is actually a classic album, Joe. It's a platinum smash. Do love Kane makes some noise parentheses X Pac in parentheses. <laughs> now, do you think um, I do like the song? Now, Foley himself has said that he didn't think Dude Love would come out to that kind of disco style theme. I don't, I never, I don't know. It just seems like something. Maybe I'm just too in love with the song and I'm blind. Mm-hmm. I think you're just used to it now, and it's kind of catchy. But, it, yeah, there is something removed from, like, 70s disco and 1960s hippie, peace and love, Woodstock type guy. Mm. He raised a good point, but uh, too late, man. <laughs> uh, let's see. They uh, announced a cage match between Triple H and Mankind at SummerSlam. 
Probably not weird in the respect they met the last two pay-per-views. The prior one was inconclusive. But a weird pivot after the whole dude love tag titles thing. And, mm-hmm. uh, around this time, Triple H lost his accent. Because I remember during an interview, he told Vader it was Jenny Craig time. And there was no uh, no hint of any kind of um, Greenwich uh, 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 accent there. He finally came into his true persona, a real-life prick. <laughs> Like a smug, mean prick. <laughs> okay, there you go. Guy who says mean stuff and smirks while he's saying it, so you're not supposed to get mad at him, but he is a genuine dickhead. <laughs> and he clearly gets off on it, and, uh, yeah. Not that nice, it doesn't seem like. No, I, you might be honest. In a very passive-aggressive way. And, uh, okay, cool. All right. All right, uh, let's see. Pretty basic build-up to all the matches. Bulldog challenged Shamrock to an arm wrestling contest. You won't believe this. He cheated when he was about to lose. And then he dumped mm-hmm. dog food on Shamrock, which you may or may not have seen coming. And uh, just uh, Kane stuff was kind of at a standstill. Paul Bear gave interviews. Says he was disfigured because of the fire. He had some trinket that was broken in half. Said this was proof Kane was alive. I don't know about that. And according to The Observer... Apparently, the WWF has gone to a Hollywood studio at great expense, had a mask made, which looks like a real-life burn victim, to the point it isn't supposed to even look like a mask. Which just didn't happen. They just grabbed a mask and yeah. the game. Or maybe that was the mask. And they were like, what do burn victims look like? <laughs> oh, there's like a big, large red structure left <laughs> after the scarring. <laughs> Uh, I had mentioned Sid making an appearance on the stage earlier. He was never seen again. I guess he had an anxiety attack backstage, although it was first reported he collapsed due to injuries from his auto accident. He was going to have a match with Vader at SummerSlam that got scrapped, which is why Vader wasn't on the card. And he ended up getting fired, according to the Observer, because officials felt they couldn't get a straight answer out of him in regards to his injuries and availability. And uh, Sid had surgery and threatened a wrongful termination lawsuit, but I don't think that ever went anywhere. And Dave noted it was crazy to fire a guy like this in the middle of a, a wrestling war, but it's fairly safe to say this didn't come back to, to bite the WWF at all. And, no, uh, that is a Joe vs. the World 90s retrospective series wrap on psychotic Sydney yeah. units. This is, um, as far as this project goes, uh, this is the end of him. We've we will see you at him. Raw 1000. Yeah, at, uh, in 2012 he would show up against Heath Slater. I mean, we, would we will have... go to WCW in summer of 1999. Yep. I think he drove the Hummer. I don't know, dude. No, he didn't. <laughs> I thought that was Carmen Electra. He, he logically was clearly the guy who drove the Hummer, and they were like, no, there's one person who didn't. It was Sid. <laughs> Vicious. Was... And his run there really, um, it didn't get off on the wrong foot, but it ended on the wrong foot. <laughs> oh, no. I may cut that. Well, no, I'm too lazy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, we mentioned, let's see, in the 91, 92, uh, wasn't there for 93 or 94, but 95, 96, mm-hmm. 97. So, yeah, we talked about Sid a lot, and we're, that's, that's a wrap for him. Salute you, Sid. Mm-hmm. Uh, also making his debut in that segment was the Patriot, Del Wilkes, referred to as such. He was a big guy, his gimmick fit with the general storyline, but it was just weird. I mean, two years later, this character was parodied by Kurt Angle, like right down to the music. (laughs) 
and I didn't know he was in Japan. They actually mentioned it and like showed clips of like Misawa and stuff during pay-per-view, but it, if I did know it, it didn't really have a resonance to me at the time. It was like this guy was in Global in WCW for a bit, but he hadn't been seen in years. And they had him beat Brett on Raw right before SummerSlam, but he uh, he wasn't around long. And if you hear his interviews, he's very lucky to get out alive. And we, uh, weirdly, like I said, they called him Del Wilkes at point, and they did an interview with him without his mask, so I don't know if they were going to have him drop it or what, but yeah, the Patriot, kind of a very odd footnote. Very much so, yes, and he's going to be against Bret Hart in his third-to-last pay-per-view main event uh, in the World Wrestling Federation, not counting the 2010 matches. That's uh, a curiosity, but uh, one of the actually very funny things about it was when we were doing the Joe vs. the World Hotline in 1997, and then we uploaded a gigantic WAV file to RSPW, which you can, everyone listen to at the time and enjoyed. So when uh, Patriot debuted on Raw, and I said, Joe, guess what I think about this? And you're like, what do you think about? Uh, what in particular? And I said, Patriot debuting on Raw. And... You said, okay, what? Say, say your job. And I said, dude, you're getting a Dell. And you were like, what do you mean? <laughs> I was like, well, like that commercial that's on right now in the time that it is. <laughs> and, uh, and then you're like, okay, I know the commercial. What are you talking about? I like, well, the guy's name is Dell. <laughs> and that's about where the wave file ended. And it was extremely downloaded. It was one of AOL's most biggest downloads after the sunny wallpaper. <laughs> right behind them. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had it right behind on them. <laughs> she was sitting on the beach. Uh, all right. We started getting vignettes for brackets. What's Sunny doing in, um, in this current time frame we're doing? <laughs> She's just kind of hanging out. She's, um, she hosts... She hosts Livewire? I do believe. She's also on a ridiculous segment on SummerSlam. But the game show segment we'll get to in a, in a minute. Oh. Uh, we started getting vignettes for Brackus, a large German guy named Akam Albrecht, who sounded like someone doing a bad Schwarzenegger impression. He uh, never ended up appearing, at least not in WWF until 98, for some live shows and a brawl for all. And I still get him mixed up with Ludwig Borger for some reason, despite a four-year difference, because they were muscle, evil, foreigner... Yeah, yeah I, I, I would make them a composite character in the screenplay. <laughs> like, is Brockus mad about pollution? No, that's Ludwig Borga. <laughs> I don't know, I just, well, I wouldn't do it from Finland, but still. Kind of big European guys, anyway. Mm-hmm. Oh, the gang wars. Is almost Glenn Kulka time? Uh, we're getting there. <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever said that. It's Glenn Kulka time. <laughs> Was it ever Glenn Kulka time? I think that, that briefly, yes. Okay. Let's see, the gang wars in full effect. Spariquas in DOA had several brawls, including a big one in the back after one of the DOA's bikes got trashed. Um, this was bad. I, I don't know, like, like the underlings in the stable got their own underlings, and it was a little hard to, to, to care all that much. Yeah, yeah, it, it truly was. The three of those guys wasn't enough. They needed, like, three increasingly worse versions of each other. <laughs> Oh, and then four just other guys who are bad. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, and the Godwins and LOD built toward a match as they attacked the uh, LOD. 
with a chair before a match with a blackjack, and Hawk just got brained in the back of the head and was bleeding everywhere. A common theme at this mm-hmm. time. Tag team wrestling. Yeah. So on to SummerSlam, subtitled Heart and Soul, a pun too much to resist. Um, I had positive... Undertaker was soul. Yes, he was. Yes, thank you. And heart was heart. But heart was heart, spelled different. It was spelled H-A-R-T in the, uh, the heart and soul. Hmm. Uh, I had positive thoughts about this show at one point, because I remember the good stuff. But, um, boy, there's a lot of dreck on this show. Yeah. And the most noteworthy thing is the match for the Intercontinental title, where Owen Hart decides to do a sit-out tombstone for some reason and nearly cripples Steve Austin, who was paralyzed from the waist down, somehow finished the match and won the title, and was actually on Raw the next night, albeit not wrestling. Uh, Austin did come back, had a big run, but he missed a year of his prime, and his career was certainly cut short. I know Montreal came along, shifted the, the focus for Owen, made him more sympathetic, and he certainly passed away, but I wonder... Like, if people would have, like, really blamed him. Like, you almost crippled the biggest star in the world. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. And, there was uh, no... Yeah. Very interesting point. It's, I, I mean... I don't know. It's just, it's just so... Like, you crippled Steve Austin. Yeah, you did. You, uh... He worked full-time after this for... One, two... Skip. Three... Like three and a half years. Yeah, and I mean, for the rest, he of made them count. <laughs> I mean, he certainly did. Stuff. Yes, this, these were three and a half very good years. But mm-hmm. I think the critical thing was that he didn't break his neck and then immediately have spinal fusion surgery and come back in a year. He, if anything, this added to the legend of the Stone Cold Steve Austin, like a folk hero that he legitimately was over this period of time. That he had his neck broken and. Instead of doing the normal and good thing, which is being like, whoa, whoa, definitely stop this. Let's make sure this person doesn't die. Um, <laughs> they're like, well, figure something out. <laughs> yeah, Gotta he, preserve kayfabe. Can't kiss his butt. You have to kiss his ass, yeah. <laughs> it was just, um, yeah, the, I, I can't believe I'm criticizing this, but the, the pin did look real bad. Like, Owen's like, literally just lying down on the mat, like, ah, oh, I can't get up. <laughs> I know, that's, that's terrible, but... I can't imagine what Vince was thinking on commentary at the time. Like, yeah. like I get flustered if my outlook, you know, doesn't start properly. <laughs> that seems he started uh, immediately. No, they didn't have cell phones, but someone patched through to sit on a walkie-talkie and was like, "Come back, big man! <laughs> your company." <laughs> uh, the um, main event was of uh, Brett Taker was okay, if a bit slow. Brett always did better with Diesel than he did with Undertaker, although they have a match coming up that's pretty great. It was funny because uh, Paul Bearer and Owen and Pillman came down the ringside, and the Undertaker just punched them, and it didn't really go anywhere. But uh, going to the end, Sean gets bumped. Uh, Brett grabs a chair. He waffles Taker, but Taker kicks out at two. Sean discovers the chair, asks, what's up? Brett spits on him. So Sean goes to hit Brett with the chair, hits Taker instead. Brett covers and wins his fifth and final world title, tying Hulk Hogan, but that was never mentioned. Now, they said if Sean was biased, he'd be banned from wrestling in the U.S. Well, he swung a chair at Brett, and yeah. <laughs> I, I know he missed, but we still have attempted murder. Like, you know, if you try to kill someone and they live, you don't get a free pass. And Brett brought this up the next night, and, like, no one bothered to have an answer. They're like, well, well, well moving on. That's the precise point I wanted to raise. I'm glad we're on the same page there, Joe. 
I mean, he begrudgingly counted a pin, though. He did. He was, he was so sad about it, too. Did you see how conflicted he was? Yeah. He, he didn't was, want to do it. No, and he stormed out afterwards. He was asked to lose a tag title. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... So, like, good use of special guest referees goes, like, Sean here, at least in a creative ending, and he handled himself well... And in a way, because it becomes such a weird trope that it's like, why didn't the mean ref just count super fast? But this is good. And then over the edge 98, super good. Mm. And that's about it. Right? <laughs> yeah. I guess Sean at Judgment Day 2000 didn't do anything wrong. Well, except blow the finish. <laughs> yeah, kind of. From a character standpoint, he was fine. But yeah, really just those two. <laughs> just those. Uh, let's see. Only other noteworthy match was the cage opener with Mankind against Triple H. Cage fully came, Yeah, he came off the top with an elbow drop. Uh, but China just slammed the cage door on Foley's head. It's, it's always like older wrestlers talk like, ah, current guys do too much. <laughs> just beat each other in the head with the chairs. Like, give me a break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, your pacing was good before you gave a guy a concussion. Jesus. Right, they limped. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, I remember when he twisted my leg at the beginning. <laughs> Learn to sell. Uh, I did kind of like the Bulldog-Shamrock match where Bulldog was in control. I actually busted up Shamrock, and they just threw dog food at him. Ken got in the zone, hit him with a ah, can. Ah, get out of his way. <laughs> uh, after the match, he choked out the Bulldog and went nuts. He was suplexing Pat Patterson, Jerry Briscoe. Kind of a great segment in that regard, where it was exciting, and the guy seemed to be better coming out than uh, than going in. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, we had the Goldust Pillman match where they they really screwed up a sunset flip, and like they kept trying to like position themselves. I'm like, what the hell? But it was so Marlena could slap Pillman for the finish, and um, it was just sad at this point, both at the time, especially in hindsight, just seeing the last days of Brian Pillman. Ooh, how unfortunate. Yeah, this is uh, the rest of the '97 is not going to be terribly fun to uh, to discuss. Uh, no. Mm. Uh, the LOD and Godwins. God, it was just like such an anachronism at that point. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, it was like they were showing a match from five years earlier or something. And I guess the Godwins stopped wearing T-shirts, so I guess they showed they were bad. They carried a <laughs> Confederate flag too, so I guess they were extra bad. Or good. That's the time we recorded now. <laughs> It's about uh, heritage, Joe. <laughs> Southern justice. Colonel Robert Parker, one of the great baby faces of the <laughs> Uh but yeah. And uh But yeah, yeah, you know what D anachronized it? Or what? chronized it? Um like you say Legion of Doom versus Godwin is very out of place and they seem behind the times, but very uh, Nautro and very Acheron was LOD 2000 versus Southern Justice. <laughs> there you go. That really, that was a fresh coat of paint like the New Day was right. almost called. <laughs> uh, so, believe me, those criticisms will be heard and we'll be addressing them <laughs> in previous shows that we recorded. <laughs> uh, let's see. We had uh, Gang Wars. Bariquas versus DOA. The nation ended up coming down, hanging around ringside. Uh, match broke down. Chains took a swing at Ahmed. Ahmed gave him a weird-looking power bomb. It turns out, I hope you're sitting down. Ahmed ended up hurting <laughs> his knee and getting surgery. 
And the uh, mm-hmm. Bariquas won. And, uh, yes. So, there were two complete BS segments. Uh, they called out the governor of New Jersey, Christine Todd Whitman, gave her a championship belt. They kept talking about taxes, and indeed, she signed a bill to eliminate an entertainment tax of televised wrestling events, made it a high enough uh, cost that kept them from taping television and pay-per-views. So the uh, company did not do so until the tax was eliminated. That's why SummerSlam was in Jersey. And um, there's also the end of a contest. They're going to give away a million dollars. This will be going on all summer. You're getting weird clues. There's a casket with money inside and a hundred keys. And they flew in two people live, one kid and some dude. And uh, neither of their keys worked. And it's, it's actually, they showed, like, um, like, the guy's hometown newspaper, like, fan goes to wrestling event, and then underneath it's like two killed in suicide bombing or something. <laughs> you could crop that out? Uh, and then they tried calling people. So this didn't go too well. The first number was disconnected. The second number didn't answer. The third try they answered, but he admitted he wasn't watching the show. And uh, <laughs> that guy and another caller picked keys, but they didn't work, so no one won. So it was just a colossal waste of time. Uh, that's yeah. too bad they had to reinstitute that tax. <laughs> Based on the bylaws of the contest. <laughs> Sometimes in, like, current articles from last year about, like, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, horrible, weird disgrace of a man. <laughs> and then somewhere in, like, paragraph nine, it'll be like, former Governor Christine Todd Whitman. It'll be like, ah, from the SummerSlam. That's right. Thing. <laughs> I saw Chris Christie at WrestleMania. Not that he was hanging out, but he was uh, part of the show. Like, welcomed everyone or something or other. Mm-hmm. WrestleMania NY slash NJ? Yes, that's the one. 29, if you must use numbers. Mm-hmm. Who would do that? Talk about an acronym. <laughs> what number is this here? Is this 34? This is WrestleMania, um, the iPhone <laughs> replacement for the I. That A thing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Pretty good right. joke, I think. I think so. There's a dinosaur emoji now. There hadn't been one. Mm. How about that? And then I think there's a different nauseous guy. Or there was a nauseous guy, and now there's a guy who he's actually going to puke. <laughs> he's going to puke. More on that later. That would be Much later. Uh, on to... I, I, SummerSlam was like August 4th for some reason. I don't know why. This is weird. It's Yeah, but uh, Raw now aired from uh, 9 to 11, where it would stay, until they expanded it to three hours. And there were... Um... Who would do that? Wait, that's <laughs> dumb. No. <laughs> That wouldn't go be an ongoing thing for five miserable years. <laughs> How long was Raw? Two hours. It was. It would have been um, ninety-seven to twenty-eight. So like twelve, thirteen. Yeah. So they have about what, like fifteen years, give or take. Mm-hmm. Oh, only mm-hmm. ten more to go than the three hours. <laughs> it's been three yeah, hours longer weird. than it was uh, one hour. You talk about Michael Cole being locked in those people's voices. So it was such a dwarfed amount of time compared to the different pay-per-view names, but to me, it's always No Way Out, Backlash, Judgment Day, um, a lot of different July ones, Unforgiven, No Mercy, Armageddon. But that was only like three or four years where those were the ones. Mm. Those are the normal delineations of those months to me. What's this battleground shit? Yeah. Uh, Just for the record, there were two Raws from this time frame that... We're on a Friday because of tennis, so I don't, I don't think they were on the network. I didn't look too hard because I want to be done rewatching stuff. So we can get this show to you, dear listener. Oh, uh, let's see. Gorilla Monsoon had been talking about things were out of control, so he was bringing in a new commissioner to even things out. Whose fault is that, Gorilla? 
Anyway, <laughs> turned out to be Sergeant Slaughter. It was all over these shows for a while. He had uh, retired in 92, was an official for a while, uh, meanly seen breaking up fights. Was this our first kind of modern GM in terms of... Uh, Seems that way, yeah. At least it got many. increasingly less professional from Tunney <laughs> to Slaughter. It sure did. Tunney didn't wrestle matches at pay-per-views against <laughs> talent he had a beef with. Even when uh, Bad News, um, I think, uh, shoved him down, accused him of taking favors from him. They should have taken that program on the road, I think. <laughs> Tunney against Bad News. Or like, one big house in Toronto. <laughs> the main <laughs> event, too. Yeah, the big event, too, yeah. Be a Billy Chickropper. Uh, let's see. You may remember Jim Neidhart saying he'd shave his goatee if any of the Hart Foundation lost at SummerSlam, which Brian Pillman did. Well, from The Observer, uh, Jim Neidhart disappeared as well. The situation with him is that before coming to WWF, he had signed an exclusive contract with Universal Championship Wrestling out of Deer Park, New York, and the WWF oh. wasn't aware of that. When they were told about it uh, by UCW... They wanted Neidhart to legally get out of the deal before they put him back in the mix, so the stipulation about him shaving his beard was dropped. Uh, again, like the Christine Todd Whitman contest, I think it's a little suspect, but whatever. <laughs> uh, they announced Brett versus Patriot for Ground Zero, which makes sense given uh, Patriot's win over Brett. They had uh, some scuffles, but an interesting side effect was Vader's face turn. Because Vader lost to the Patriot and jumped him after a match. I was about to Vader bomb him when Brett snuck in, laid the Canadian flag on Patriot, which uh, Vader took offense to. So he and Brett had a quick match the week after. He later saved Patriot from another Heart Foundation beating. Patriot did the same. I guess with Sean's turn, Brett being a heel, they needed some fresh faces. Yeah, I suppose if you were trying to redo the year, maybe the best choice for September is... Uh, who makes sense? Not even Vader that much. Um, like we treat Patriot as a non-canonical character, which I'm very much in favor of. <laughs> Maybe Shamrock? Weren't they going to work in December? So, sure. Give Shamrock the one-month thing here. Uh, the Raw following SummerSlam, Sean gave an interview where he said everyone was dumping on him because of the result the prior night. He was not in cahoots with Brett. Vince was an idiot. Fans could shove it. The next week before a match with Mankind, Sean promised a very big insurance policy. During the match, Triple H and China came down to ringside, and later, ravishing Rick Rude came down. Waffled Mankind with a chair, Sean got the win. Uh, interestingly, the next week, Sean and Triple H had to team up, but neither was all that happy about it. And during the match, uh, Rude tried to sneak up on the Undertaker with a chair. Taker turned around. Sean picked up the chair and waffled Taker in the head, busting him open. Uh, two weeks later, we had Triple H versus Undertaker. Saw a run-in from Sean and Rude. Taker fighting them off. And while not named, this was the beginnings of D-Generation X. That was a cool little series of unique deals there, because um, Sean and Hunter were secret friends mm-hmm. from the thing with the video in the bad uh, Madison Square Garden. Undertaker and Mankind were good friends, better enemies. Mm-hmm. And that is the only, as far as I know, televised rematch from Michaels and Foley after Mind Games. Yes, yeah, so that is a good little uh, TV fan. It's worth checking out if you uh, do have the time. The heel Sean bumping around for a babyface Mankind. Yes, that works quite well, and Mankind bumping quite mm-hmm. a bunch as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, note from The Observer, apparently last week when Michaels found out Rude was doing the bodyguard gimmick, he cried and complained because he didn't want Rude. If he wanted a bodyguard, he wanted Helmsley. So Rude will be with him a little longer, but then move on to other things. If everything works out, Rude has yet 
to uh, if everything works out. Root has yet to sign a WF contract, so in this climate, putting him on television carries some kind of risk. Perhaps. Perhaps it did. Don't worry about it. (laughs) I'm sure it's fine in a wrestling war. Uh, Root showing up was part of the agreement with ECW, because Root had been doing color commentary for them, and Heyman felt Root was a distinct enough character to be on both shows. It wasn't an issue. That didn't end up being an issue for long. Uh, that was the extent. We haven't talked about ECW for a little bit, because the uh, company plugged the hardcore heaven pay-per-view, but you didn't see ECW guys on Raw anymore. And with Rude and Slaughter showing up, it was like two big names from the 80s, because I mean, that was kind of a, a big thing with you know, Nitro at the time. You had names like Hogan, Savage, Piper, uh, Flair, etc. So I guess this was kind of their, the Fed's attempt to catch up in that regard. That sounds about right. Yeah, you just had to get who you could. Your value is very high at this point in time. That's why Dave is always like, Brody would have headlined against the NWO <laughs> if he was alive. <laughs> and I, I would be remiss not to point out that we didn't talk that much about ECW, but we did talk about CTW, which is the initial of Christine Thotwood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the King stuff was still at a standstill. Paul Barrett would just say Undertaker was a murderer. His familiar purple lights were turning red. And they seemed to be hinting Kane would show up at the pay-per-view, but we were just treading water at this point. And, uh, let's see. They had announced that Austin and Dude Love would defend the tag titles in a four-way at the pay-per-view against uh, LOD Godwin's Bulldog and Owen for some reason. Uh, the show before, Slaughter announced they were suspending Austin for his own good. Tag titles would be up for grabs in the match with the headbangers replacing the champs. And they didn't mention the IC title, which I thought was odd, but it would be addressed later on. A weird, all these diversions of the tag titles because you have like same people, but you have to get through all these headbangers to get there. <laughs> That's people true. are Owen, Davey, Sean, Austin, Foley, New Age Outlaws, Terry Funk are the people who are going to do good things with these belts from now until April, but yep. they just can't they keep vacating the belts. Yeah, it's a problem. Let's see, we have the profoundly boring gang wars. Uh, with a few developments. On the August 4th Raw, Ahmed pit chains in about two minutes, and then the nation turned on him. The announcer's openly saying something must have happened they don't know about, because this didn't make sense at the time. Farouk later noted Ahmed had the heart of a white man. Uh, I thought it was because he got hurt, but he was back really like a couple weeks, so I guess they just wanted to shore up the face side some more. But uh, that was struck me as odd. And uh, the next week, Farouk was giving... When uh, is Aki Ray IVMA? Well, Are they clearing a spot for him, or is that not for a while? The next week, Farouk was wrestling Chains, and the ref oh. got bumped. Who should run in? But they're returning Rocky Maivia, who quickly gives Chains at the rock bottom and joins the nation. Uh, pretty easy explanation for a heel turn, as everyone hated <laughs> the Rocky. So uh, that, was, uh, that was pretty good. So between DX and Hill Rock, this is like Muppet Baby's version of the boom period. <laughs> Getting there. And uh, let's see, if you recall, Brian Pillman lost at SummerSlam, said he would have to wear a dress, which uh, he was not down with. But Commissioner Slaughter said if he didn't, he'd get suspended, so he had to wear it until he won a match. So he takes on Bob Holly, but gets distracted by Goldust and Marlena waving a bra, gets counted out. Next week he takes on Flash Funk, but gets distracted by a video of himself putting on the dress and loses again, the original GTV. And uh, let's see... And uh, the next week takes on Jesse James, but Goldust runs in and attacks James, so Pillman loses by DQ. 
Pillman finally has enough, challenges Goldust to a match where if he loses, he's gone. But if he wins, he gets Marlena as a personal assistant for 30 days. Goldust turns it down, but when Pillman says Dakota is his love child, Marlena finally accepts. So, that's not built there. I mean, kind of pretty effective angle. Mm-hmm. Pretty obvious, like, what would happen week to week, but I actually like Pillman's promos and whatnot, and actually halfway decent. If the wrestling was... Right, basic, well-executed two-era wrestling. Presumably, if he hadn't tragically passed away, been deceased, then I think Marlena would have turned on Goldust and been like, yes, I was actually a mean lady, because I'm a girl. Yes, I think that's probably the route that would have gone, which would have been mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. So, we move on to the pay-per-view, Ground Zero, a cool pay-per-view name we won't see again. <laughs> or will we? Do you think they'd, they'd ever dust it off, or is there no point in trying? Because uh, it's just too high a... Um, let's see. Over the Edge was retired, was turned into Over the Limit. So what else can be ground? Beef? <laughs> sure. Ground beef. Uh, maybe, I don't know, another term for grounds, like impact point, I don't know. Something like that. Probably not worth, uh, not worth the effort. No, not with that attitude, no. <laughs> Uh, well, well, let's see. Bad Blood was also taken out of circulation because of his death on that, but it came back in 2003. So, some sort of commensurate amount of grieving period we could get to. Um, uh, what's the new thing called? Like One Freedom Plaza or something? Something like that. So they that, should name yes. the show instead of Ground Zero. <laughs> uh, let's see. This was our first In Your House branded show that went three hours, cost twenty nine ninety five. Although they kept the In Your House name for a while and still had the house uh, setting for this show. So In Your House Rock Bottom, In Your House St. Valde Mass. Um, and then was it just Backlash? I think it went for a while, Mick. Did it go into 99? I'll have to uh, double check. I think it was In Your House St. Valentine's Day Massacre, but I don't know for sure. See, it would have been, I believe you're right. The um, last one would have been uh, actually it was uh, the Valentine's Day Masco was the penultimate one. Backlash, oh, Backlash in your house from in '99 from uh, mm. Providence was the final one. So it went on, still went on for quite a bit, even though mm-hmm. they dumped the it. It wasn't. Man. It was not really in our house anymore. No, it was not. So mm. yeah, between two-hour Raws and three-hour, I mean the three-hour monthly pay-per-view still holds true to this day. <laughs> it's still, I mean, sometimes there'll be three and a half hours for no goddamn good reason, like Helen mm-hmm. still was. But yeah, we had the uh, a format that would stick for quite a while. Stuff is burning my brain. I went over the, uh, like, four-year run of the subtitles for those non-Big Four shows, and then King of the Ring really only lasted eight years. So it's been not mm-hmm. a thing for far longer than it was, not counting the rando tournaments they do on TV. Um, so, yeah. Whereas, like, Hell in a Cell, a concept I hate, has been going on since 2009. Yeah. That's, uh... That's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's going uh, anywhere. Nope. Alright. Let me see here. Right along. Uh, Ground Zero, not a bad show. There is some uh, some poor stuff here. The main event was uh, Sean and Taker in their first one-on-one match, which 
certainly gets overshadowed by their Hell in a Cell match, but this is actually quite good. I think the actual match time is like 16 minutes, but right when Undertaker gets in the ring, he just punches out the ref and just pummels Sean around the arena, including throwing the ref on him at one point. And uh, another ref comes down, starts the match. Then he gets bumped. Rick Rude comes down, hands Sean brass knuckles, but Triple H and China uh, bring down another ref. Taker gets to the knuckles. Apparently legit punches Sean with them. Earl Hebner gets chokeslammed. Tim White comes in, calls it no contest. I didn't cover half of what happened in the match, but it was very exciting. Wrestlers tried to separate them. Undertaker did a huge dive over the ropes. It felt really chaotic and exciting. And I felt if you replaced John and Taker with, uh, I don't know, Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns and did this, it wouldn't be a tenth as exciting. I don't know if... I don't, it's probably not so much a statement on the talent as it is just kind of we've seen so much since 1997. This was still somewhat novel at the time. Mm-hmm. And a match between those two guys, too. Yeah, I mean, the match between guys have been around forever. Mm-hmm. And had never really met... Yeah, it's a chaotic deal. And they try to recreate it a lot of times when they're like, like, well, we don't need to do a finish here. We'll just give a crazy ending. And the ending is so flat. Undertaker and Brock at uh, Unforgiven 2002, and I'm sure countless other uh, examples. So, uh, that was the main event, actually. The WWF title was second from the top, right in the Patriot. It started out really, like, really dull. They're just, like, exchanging holds. Then Bulldog comes down, gets involved. Vader comes down. They start doing all these awesome near falls, and uh, Patriot locks on a sharpshooter, but Brett reverses, which is actually a cool story bit, and the Patriot submits. But don't worry, America, because afterwards, Brett breaks a flagpole, chokes Patriot with a flag, and leaves him laying. And well, I'll compare <laughs> the Patriot's efforts to Vietnam, so... USA. 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 Yeah. I, it did end up being good, but just kind of a weird, like... Brett, you know, Brett the Heel didn't win by chicanery. He just the shit out of the patriotic guy. <laughs> well, he should have, I guess. Like, Patriot <laughs> couldn't even fuck with Doug Gilbert. So why should he go to handle Bret Hart? <laughs> you should do some kind of, like, extended... I think that would be an interesting podcast concept would be global wrestling. Yes. You should probably yeah, record should something probably about that. do that once or twice. Mm-hmm. Try to capture audio on it. Um... Well, this is a three-hour show. What happens to Canadian Stampede's reputation if it also has to make time for a Savio versus Crush versus Farouk triple threat in yeah. hour number one of three? That it's kind of the eternal question of uh, takeovers, which everyone loves, but they're short enough to keep everything good. If mm. they included, like, say, the matches they taped for TV before, would you have as rosy a view of them? Mm. But uh, most made of, I mean, most uh, in your houses weren't good, so <laughs> it's kind of a mood point. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise. They just happened to hit one on the final two-hour one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most noteworthy segment was the part where Austin and Dude Love had to return the tag belts, and JR was in the ring moderating, so Austin, wearing an earring, called him fat and gave him a stunner. So a ginormous pop, <laughs> and uh, JR was supposed to do a stretcher job, but they had to use the stretcher earlier, so they had to just kind of take him out. God. <laughs> anyway, we had a uh, fatal four-way between the headbangers, LOD, Godwins, Bulldog, and Owen, in a blah match. And um, even though it was, was fatal... That step? What's that? It was blah. No. no. Uh, even though it was a uh, fatal four-way, it was an elimination match. I always thought the fatal indicated first pinfall one, but what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, that's, uh, that's why we get to the Survivor Series show and have all these uh, people on a team be the sole survivors of their team. <laughs> I guess so. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, LB- who are sole survivors at the '97 show? I guess we'll get there. I can't. I don't have total recall to tell yeah. you who the non-sole survivors were. Yeah, we'll have to get there when we get there. When we get there, just some some actual sole survivors, not the dumb kind. Sole survivors: Triple H and Braun Strowman. <laughs> uh, oh, the New Age Outlaws were sole survivors. Yeah. Um, that, those were the only wrong sole survivors of the show. Okay. Glad I looked. Yeah. Uh, let's see. LOD got DQ'd. Godwin's got pinned by the Headbangers. And Austin ran in and gave Owen a stunner, leading to the Headbangers winning the belts. And I'm guessing the Headbangers won, because they have their replacement team, and that's kind of what they do. They it didn't end up being an issue for long, so I guess whatever. Just something else for the title lineage. Yeah. What else can you do? Oh, let's see. Brian Pillen beat Goldust in the opener. A lot better than SummerSlam. And the build-up was so funny, because the video package is like, will a young child lose their mother for 30 days? When the, you know, the parents <laughs> were the one who agreed to this. They weren't forced into this. They said, okay. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, the ref... You got, put custody of my son, Dominic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the ref gets bumped at the end, and Marlena hops on the apron and tries to hit Pillman with her purse, but he blocks it, grabs the purse, clocks gold dust, gets the win, and then basically forces Marlena to the back with him with Lawler making jokes all night about what he's doing. And we'll see the name Ground Zero again before we see an angle like this. I, I have <laughs> and, uh, Well, there's probably something dumbly reminiscent that was heading in that direction before we got, like, cooler heads prevailed. I don't know. No, I don't know. Not an exact replica. Uh, they had a minis match for some reason with uh, Max Mini beating El Torito. Max Mini being the former uh, Mascarita Sagrada, and Torito being the former Mini Vader. Uh, a combination of really impressive moves and kind of silliness, like Max sitting on Lola's lap, trying on his crown. It's fine. I don't know how they did it. It was like they were like, "Oh crap! We have three hours. We got to we got to throw stuff out there." <laughs> and uh, how many stars did this match get? And how many large Vince chuckles did this match get? Oh, uh, the Vince! Oh, the Vince chuckles were <laughs> off the charts and. Uh, <laughs> Stars, I forget. It was like, I think Dave gave it like uh, two and three quarter. I'm just going off mm-hmm. my, my memory. It was fine. Uh, a lot of non-canonical things on this show. Patriot, not canonical. <laughs> Minis Division, not canonical. Austin's <laughs> Earring, not canonical. How about Scott Putsky? No. Nope. Well, he had a four-minute match with uh, Brian Christopher. Second-generation superstar. Two second-generation superstars. That's right. Maybe. And, uh... Christopher did a dive and Putski tore his quad catching him, so that's why the stretcher was not there for JR, because they had to legit use it for uh, Scott Putski. Oh, God. Just like um, uh, Over the Edge 99. <laughs> that's true. Right? They yeah. took Vince out in oh, the ambulance. right in the ambulance. Oh, Christ. Uh, let's and not do that one. No. <laughs> I don't think. Well, uh, I don't know. That's, that's years away at this point. Let's not worry about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we already did that one, right? We already made a right. decision. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like doing that. Let's not do it again. Uh, we had the gang wars three-way between Crush, Farouk, and Savio Vega, which was garbage. It's funny. Savio gets sent outside, and Crush just champs on a clamps on a chin lock, and even Jr. is like, "Not sure about this game plan." And uh, they kept breaking up pins, and the crowd got angry about it that the match was still going on. And Crush hit a heart punch on Farouk, and got hit with a uh, Savio spin kick, and Savio got the win. Yeah, I wanted to look up something about this match, um, 
in terms of the time, and I typed Gang 3-Way, and it's not the information that I wanted. Oh. Oh, it's weird stuff. I don't like this. <laughs> Never mind. All right, continue. Uh, just a couple notes uh, before we're done. Uh, let's see, from the Observer. Brackus may work a few house shows here and there underneath, but don't expect him to get a television role for a few months. Uh, Mark Henry is being brought back to training after recovering from his broken leg. At one point, it was thought he'd never be back, but now they are bringing him back to training. But so I was skeptical of whether or not he'll make it because he got the rep uh, the last time of thinking he was a star and not wanting to learn anything. And hmm. uh, Yokozuna is still under contract. They want him to get down under 400 pounds. It just isn't happening. He had a recent heart scare, but his heart recovered after changing his medication. So, a couple notes there, and that will do it for the quote-unquote third quarter of 1997. We did it. Yes. All this time, we pulled it off. Ah, it was like riding a bike. It was, yeah. Once Muscle we memory kicked in. Remembered who uh, who each other were. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, obviously, the... And I, I may split up the uh, the last bits of 97, because we still have four pay-per-views coming up before the end of the year. We have the one-night-only show, and then uh, I think it's Bad Blood, Survivor Series, and D-Generation X, the pay-per-view. So there's okay. a, lot, a lot to cover you know, there. We have a lot. Why, why not make it however at this point? We'll get to it, right? We'll get no, to this it. Is, we'll do better. Cause, uh, we'll get to everything. Oh, yeah. yeah, you're right. You won't have to beat yourself up and... Struggle to get it all down. That's right. Because that's the key to all of this. Like, I'm not doing anything. You're doing everything. I'm, yeah, there's no, a lot going like, into these for uh, for 90 minutes. Just uh, got copious notes from the Observer and the John Petri, what's this thing called? Slobberknocker Central. They were yes. Very helpful. And just cross reference, and then I'll be like, Glenn Kalka much, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> no, you were. Wasn't uh, it interesting if I could. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, please. Well, one sort of summative point I'd like to make is they had all those stipulations for the SummerSlam matches, and then the actual stipulations were even worse for everybody. Like, if for the Brett match, instead of not being able to wrestle in the United States, it's like, you will get betrayed and kicked out of the company you love. <laughs> and then for the Intercontinental match, like, if you lose, you'll be paralyzed and have your career ruined. And the Bulldog one was like, you'll get a horrible, dangerous staph infection in your back. For so the Pillman one, it was like, you will die. <laughs> and then for the for the Jim Neidhart's beard, it was like, if any member of the Heart Foundation loses, you'll 20 years from now be a crack-out weirdo on reality television who works for a German shepherd. <laughs> I thought it would just be, uh, you'll be uh, humiliated on television and some packing from the company you've worked yeah. on and off for for a dozen years. Uh, six of one, half dozen of the other, Joe. I suppose so. Mm-hmm. Ugh. So yeah, that'll do it. So at some, I will try to be better. It won't be a year and a half. I hope. Joe, can I say something? Certainly. I missed you, and I missed this. I missed this too. I, I was I was almost shaking with excitement earlier. We uh, still got it. Yeah, I think so. Well, Joe, I love you, and I'm in love with you. Oh, thanks, man. All right, it's ten o'clock. That's late. Oh, two o five lives on. We can get watched on that. Okay. I've watched every episode of two o five live for some reason. All two or five of them? <laughs> it seems that many. It's only about fifty-five or so because it started late last uh, late last year. I don't know. It's just a habit. I like Drew uh, Drew Gulak. Drew Gulak is very funny. He's funny. I like the um, odd obsession with clowns. 
and um, I don't know some of the dudes. <laughs> it's I like Nigel's commentary. It's uh, I don't know. I just some I'll get up early on Wednesdays and, and watch it, and it's, it's fine. Hey, Tommy is coming. He is coming. I hope, uh, I hope it works out for him. And I'll be at I that. Uh, I'll be at that show. I hope Neville comes back, but I hope he just doesn't have to do that. I like sorry. Okay. Like he was so good, but they were just they shouldn't play with fire anymore. Yeah. Speaking of playing with fire, though, big things popping with the Undertaker's brother. Hopefully, we'll get some clarity on that. That we will happen. We are back with you in just eight short days. <laughs> eight short. Oh man. Uh, I know. How so the last night of it. Hanukkah. Oh. I think, according to Joe. Joe told me it was Hanukkah today, and I was like, oh, good. <laughs> I'm very surprised at that. Uh-huh. That's great news. Well, Justin, I uh, want to thank you again. We did it, finally. Okay. I feel good. Accomplished something. And uh, if you like hearing me, I have, uh, at that point, three other big podcast guest appearances planned coming up through the month of December. I'm a busy boy. Are they in the can, or have they nope, not yet. shot yet? T- uh, TBT, to be taped. <laughs> I love TBT. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thanks again. Do you, do you have anything to plug? You're, um... There's one thing I wanted to ask you on Twitter.com for a long time and then just forget or don't have the impetus to is um, wrestler podcasts, they're over right now, but I think the Edge and Christian show is so delightful and really good and still justifies the fact they exist. How do you feel as a podmaster? Yes, if I was asked to uh, determine my favorite uh, podcast of, of the year, it would be that, because they, they do have that, that fun natural chemistry, and um, I just I think Christian's the best, because you can tell he's really a bit of a dick, and I just find <laughs> it very endearing, and, um, and they, have, uh, they have superlative guests. It's not, you know, and be, they're not talking to their I'm not a... <laughs> Not to name names. Um, I'm not a pod masochist like you, so I would never listen to the beginning. And with them, I listen to the beginning. And I'm like, ha good to hear from you guys. So that's good. I think you and me are like them, except they've done more than we have. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. But hey, none of us are in the Observer Hall of Fame, so. No. You should talk more about your son, though. You'd be like, ah, being a dad. <laughs> uh, I could tell, yeah. Is a thing. I got his, um,. Christmas list on uh, last uh, last week is eight page Christmas list. Only one page Whoa. was uh, dedicated to gifts. The rest were short stories and various other uh, scribblings he wrote. But um, for I don't know, I don't, I don't think he's on Twitter. But he was using hashtags at the bottom. He wrote uh, <laughs> hashtag awesome, uh, hashtag fabulous, and uh, it's supposed to be I assume hashtag winner. But he left an N off, so it was hashtag whiner. So. Oh, big distinction. <laughs> it is this, and it's not gonna. That's not gonna fly for him. But the uh, like the play. Yeah, the uh, the the Nintendo Switch is the requested present of the year. Mm. Which, uh, I can uh, I can make do with because I can uh, I'll play some Super Mario Odyssey. I mind if I do? Seems like mutually beneficial situation. I do believe so. Seems hashtag F A B U L O U I don't think he would have a uh, connection with that. Maybe if I tag Carmella, he can get a shout-out on Twitter or something. <laughs> or GoFundMe. I don't know. All right. Well, have a real good night, Joe. Call me when you get home so I go out there safe. All right. No problem. And uh, worst of luck to the Steelers this uh, this upcoming mm? weekend. I'm sorry. Mm? Gronkowski's mean. Did you <laughs> he's, that not, guy? he's not a nice man. 
at times. I he and Mojo Raleigh. Yeah, I'm I think sure. that was hanging out with um, the wrong crowd. The yeah. Wrong crowd. He got hyped. He got too hyped. <laughs> we needed that security guard from WrestleMania to rein him in after <laughs> contain him. Only she could. Ah, all right. I really like candles with uh, Roy Moore's attorney, famous Jew. <laughs> all right. And, uh, hey, thanks uh, thanks everyone for listening and, um, and uh, remembering the Thanks show. for sticking with it. Yeah, after uh, all this time. But we're back. We're back. We'll try to be back soon. Maybe not eight days, but soon enough. Okay. All right. Peace out, everyone. Later.